Hi guys, welcome back to the Elvis <laughs> Podcast. I'm Lana Hokano. And I'm Anusha Savi. <laughs> and we've kicked Josh out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Opus Podcast. This is our podcast and rambling songs. My name is Josh Kumar. And I'm Lana Holgado. Y'all already know what it is. This is our Indie Artist Spotlight, where we bring you the best and the rest that the streets have to offer. And folks, coming at you from the great state of California, we got one over Zoom. She's a singer, songwriter, and South Indian sensation. Please give it up for Anusha Savi. Hi. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks Yay. for coming on our pod. Thanks for being here. <laughs> We've already been talking. Well, me and Anusha have been talking for like the last 30 minutes and the vibes are immaculate. Hey. You're in for a treat today, folks. All right. Well, first off, tell us where you're coming from. Yes, yes, yes. Bay Area. Yeah. So I grew uh, up in the Bay. Uh, always been there. Yeah. So um, a little bit of my dad's story. Dad moved from Tamil Nadu in like late 80s, early 90s. Um, mom got arranged married and they got and they had me in 96 and um, they bought the house that I'm actually like in in 96 as well. And I grew up here um, in a small town called Danville, um, which is in the East Bay area. It's about 40 minutes um, east of San Francisco. And the interesting thing about Danville is that it was actually like really like white growing up <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and I, it was interesting because like the neighboring town San Ramon is like actually very diverse from like a racial perspective so um, I learned like code switching very early on mm -hmm. but my parents you know they were really you know inclined to make sure like I remembered like my heritage and had me like you know wanted me to be a part of the culture so I did like Bala Vihar on the weekends which is like kind of like our like Hindu Saturday school type of vibe and then but then during the weeks I'd be you know in school and like you know doing soccer and sports and all that and and all that but I would always like kind of go back and forth with that and um I learned like Carnatic music growing up so that was kind of their way of you know keeping the the culture that they had down to me while also like me trying to navigate what it's like to 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 be like a normal kid in america <laughs> i guess yeah i thought it was really interesting you came from a carnatic background uh why don't you just sort of explain like how you got into it what it is how it's like influencing you now because some of it i actually think does come through in your work Oh, that's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. It's definitely an intention of mine to have it flow through the work. Um, I got started in it when I was, I think, three. Uh, I was like three years old and my mom put me in my first um, lesson. And again, it was this kind of a way to keep the culture in me. Um, and I was the first kid. I, my parents had two kids. I'm the oldest and I have a younger brother, Ashish, who's, who's four years younger than me. And mm. um, my mom was only 26 when she had me actually which is like my age now which is like kind of crazy to think about and when she was growing up in kerala her parents put her through bata class you know carnatic music class and dance and all those things so that's when it started um and uh my first teacher he was really strict but like kind of taught me the fundamentals and then i went to uh lata sri ramji um who was in fremont and she had a whole uh, academy um, um, and of a lot of students, uh, actually, like if you know, Sid Sri Ram is her son and Pragati oh, Prasad. Yeah. yeah, and so, um, and she had like hundreds of students. 
really kind of leveled up and she taught me a lot about confidence and just being really um you know disciplined about the craft and um that and then i graduated to Nandini Ramamurthy, who was a younger teacher. She was like in her 20s. Um, and she was just really into kind of shaping songs in a really beautiful sonic way. So like throughout these different, these teachers, I think really shaped like my musical foundation. And like, I like, of course, listened to other Bollywood music, other Indian music, like film music, and then also like American stuff like pop radio and stuff. But the Carnatic music was just such a big part of of my like musical nature because I was like going to classes two times a week doing a kacheri or which is like a concert like once a month for the like from age three to basically high school. Um, and that was a really big part. And I think during that time, uh, I didn't appreciate it as much. Like I do regret looking back and I think it's like a very classic kind of adult looking back on a childhood thing of like, oh, mm -hmm. I didn't appreciate that enough because I felt like it was kind of forced on me. But um, it did, it's really beautiful. A lot of the music is really devotional, um, which I didn't fully understand the spirit behind that um, when I was a kid, but I really do love that. I think there's so much soul and, and heart in it. And looking back, like I look back at the songs and now that I can, you know, find the translations and, and understand them, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of beauty in this. And that kind of heart and soul is what I try to incorporate into my music. Not that I'm like doing everything in a Carnatic way. I'm integrating some of the swarams and the and all that stuff into mm -hmm. my music that's unreleased right now. But um, just in terms of the heart, I really want that like kind of healing thing to be a theme. That's so cool. I'm like nerding out right now. I just <laughs> like, I'm just really excited to have somebody on who like has like a background that's not like Western music because Aww. I just, yeah, like I grew up like similarly like with um like philippine like learning about like filipino ah. folk music and it's just like really cool like the different scales and like the different like tonal like you know things that are going on could, could you like explain a little bit about like the basics of like carnatic music for like our listeners for sure so the basic stuff it reg like it starts off with like the scale and just how seeing the scale is there's a lot of similarities with like western music um but like for example in western music you start off with like your eight note scale like do re mi fa sol la ti do you know and back backwards with Carnatic music, you can take the same type of skill but how you sing it is just different so and you do it on different um vowels and consonants so like that same scale like do sa ri ga ma pa da ni sa sa ni da pa ma ga ri sa so same notes but i feel like the way that the microtones work between how you move through them are actually really different so the character and the color is different and you learn that from like almost like martial arts you know you just start with like basic moves you just use those like eight consonants and you do a bunch of different patterns you have like a book where you literally learn everything and then you don't you have to like basically graduate learning all of those like basic kind of patterns and then you add like what you call thalam which is just basically rhythm so typically the way that you like sing Carnatic music is you're on the floor you're sitting cross-legged and then you are like tapping a thalam 
on your knee, which is just basically like some type of hand pattern. And there's different ways. So the most basic one is called Adi Talam, which is like, it's just an eight count, but you go like, you clap once, you hit your pinky, your ring, your middle finger, your palm, the back of your palm, the palm, the back of the palm. And so that you're doing that the entire time that you're singing to help you like keep pace. Um, and so that's the second component. And then, um, the third is like once you kind of master the swarams and the thalams and you do that together, then you graduate to like actually learning like songs. Um, so I can sing a little bit of like the song that was the most iconic to me growing up. Um, and I would always have to like sing at like, you know, family functions, mm -hmm. like at Diwali parties or at, you know, um, Golu, which is, you know, Navratri type of things. But um, this is a little snippet. It's like, Kaal harana melara hare hare sitaram. And then so on and so forth. So that's my little Carnotic yeah. uh, starter pack. Thank you for that <laughs> lesson. Yeah, we, I actually, um, at TCNJ, like right before the semester before the pandemic, we had like a Carnotic musician took a, like we had like workshops where we would like go like during like our world history class and he would like do like the columns and like teach us like all the different, it was just really cool. I just love learning like different like ways of like music education. Just, yeah, just like seeing like the different like tracks, like yeah. in, in, America like in schools like you have an instrument but in like India and in also in Europe I think too they you only get to you have to like learn the theory and like singing before you can like yeah. try an instrument and so I thought I think that's really cool that is really cool I didn't think about it like that but you're so you're so right because I think most people that I know in the states that like started an instrument either like piano or guitar or like a school instrument yeah like joining band yeah um yeah because i did i started with violin like in western music in fourth grade mm -hmm. and then did violin i wasn't very good but <laughs> that was like my western music thing from fourth grade on but at that time most people that like i was in school with that was their first time picking up anything like i guess the recorder in like second mm -hmm. grade but that yeah that doesn't really count right I, th I think the reasoning for it is this is what i've heard is that your voice doesn't develop until like you're 18 so people usually don't start formal voice training until like because yeah. because like be, yeah because because like so much is changing in your voice you know from a from a theory perspective it's good to be able to like have like all this information in your head you know so totally. there's like pros and cons but it's cool yeah that's that's actually that makes a lot of sense I feel like my hypothesis about people who do sing at a younger age when their voice isn't developed fully is I think the way that your brain works, like even like the math of music works is just, I think a lot more fundamental and second nature if you do start younger and like, for example, like just pitch and like we call it Shruti in, in, in like Carnatic terms, but people are always like, oh, you have really great Shruti, you have really great pitch. And I just think it's like, I don't think about it as much just because like I learned it. And nowadays you don't necessarily have to be the most like accurate pitch wise to, mm -hmm. to be a really amazing artist or yeah. be a great singer or all these things because we have amazing technology. Right. Um, so like, and that's a part of the style now, which I also really appreciate. Yeah. But I do think that like, 
from a songwriting perspective, it helps just like do different things with your voice and not be restricted to like maybe the same, maybe four or five note range if mm-hmm. you kind of start earlier. But that's just for me, but the uh, hypotheses can be broken all the right. time. Yeah, <laughs> but that, make, that makes sense that you would need really good pitch because of all the microtones. Like you need to be able to like get, be very specific about it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like, oh, my teachers would come at me. I would like sing something and be like, stop, uh, yeah. do it again, do it again. <laughs> like like crazy. Gordon Ramsay, like, you know, <laughs> when you watch Hell's Kitchen, like that's the kind of vibe that my teachers would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I'm sorry, Josh. You've just been watching. Nah, nah, right nah. I'm just enjoying this conversation <laughs> right now. I'm just like. <laughs> She's amazing. I love talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I love talking to you too. Oh my God. <laughs> Just watching this beautiful friendship blossom. <laughs> uh, so I think that was like really interesting that you um, spent so much of your time like originally starting out with uh, Carnatic music and mm-hmm. uh, going off of that. What sort of attracted you though to like the more like R and B inspired like Western music when you like actually started putting out stuff? Yeah. So I think that was really shaped by like the latter half of my adolescence. So like from middle school and high school, I joined like high school choirs that my schools had. And that was like the first time I like saying like pop music with other people. And um, and it, like also like, you know, really beautiful choral pieces by like the greats like Eric Whitaker and, and stuff. But I think those kinds of shapes and vowels in, they're like more, I guess westernized and I just loved how like beautiful they sounded because Carnatic music to me is really beautiful but it can also be kind of like really harsh and like really kind of nasally and really forward um, and I think like pop and R&B is like, a little bit more like laid back and um, I just really enjoyed those shapes and also just singing with other people like there was a lot of community in music and I was telling Lana this earlier like community is like a really big thing for me so I just kind of like enjoyed the process of making that type of music more. And then when I went to college, I joined an all women identifying acapella group called The Spokes at UC Davis. Shout out. Um, love them. And that was the first time I really started thinking of like composition because everything I'd sung before that time was like stuff that other like I had sheet music for or I was like learning, you know, from ear training. But it wasn't my words. It wasn't my melodies, like unless I had like a solo here or there. But like that was just me adding a little riff. I was pretty much following the top line, whereas when and I went to acapella and I started like arranging music or dabbling with that or watching people. I was like, okay, this is, I can understand these chords, these shapes and how things come together. And I also just like love listening to R&B and love listening to pop music. Like, you know, my holy grail of like artists like is Beyonce, Ariana Grande and like A.R. Rahman, which I think A.R. Rahman is actually really pop. And so, mm-hmm. um, that is kind of like I just love listening that type of stuff and so that's what kind of informed me especially when I first started making music and that's kind of the stuff that that's mostly out released right now like it's really kind of grounded in that that space just because like I love listening to it and I just think that it was more accessible to like make at that time because also being in California, being in America, making music with other people, not everybody knows Carnatic music, not everybody knows ragams and stuff, and not all producers know that, which, you know, it's just because, like, it's an exposure thing, but now I'm starting to, like, educate more people and more producers and be like, okay, let's let's see how we can bring this in and ma- marry these two things together and have it feel really, like, authentic. Um, and that's been a really fun challenge. But R&B and pop, that's pretty, like, everyone kind of knows that, and everyone obviously puts their own, like, spin on it, but... It, like it's a little bit i guess um just a little not easier to make because it's not but like just like a little more accessible to make 
What was your experience with like integrating Carnatic music with the producers? Like how how have they been receiving it? And like, how have you been like working through some things? Yeah, well, the producers like... To their credit, I think the, the producers I love working with are the ones that are really down to do anything and are always like wanting to learn. And so um, I have a few songs that are unreleased. Like I have, I can share a few of the titles with you. Like one is called Marigold and Marigold I wrote with the amazing uh, Jonathan Singletary, who's an artist, songwriter and producer um, and Lydia Samuel, who's an amazing R&B pop artist and, and writer. And I made that at, at the LAMP, the LA Academy. Academy for artists and music producers this past year and I at that time we had just had like a break uh like a month-long break and I came home and I was like just really trying to like get to the core of who I am as an artist and like have that translate sonically and stuff that felt like really fully encompassing of me and I just knew that I couldn't really ignore the Carnatic side or the Indian heritage side because it is a part of who I am and um I wanted that to come through or like experiment that that and that first session I had with them I just was like, can we just like listen to a few songs that like really influenced me growing up? And so for the first day, like we like did a few melody tracks, but like for a few hours, we were just like listening to music and just like share. I was just like sharing my library with them. And I think that was really important just to take the time so that Jonathan, who like had heard, like he listens to world music and stuff and like knows artists like Ravina and Raju Kumari and Madam Gandhi, which a lot of people still don't know who they are, which is like crazy to me. But um they I think also pull from those influences I was like just showing him like some Carnatic songs some like really amazing Tamil songs that like A.R. Rahman made and Ilay Raja and all these people and he was like okay cool got it and um he just started to create a beat that still felt really fresh still felt very him but to me still felt like influenced by um what we were making and then that beat influenced me to just kind of start singing some swarams on stuff and then also playing with melodies and the inflections and Lydia too and, and Lydia is um Malayali she's from New Jersey um and uh she oh, she wait, didn't she grow up where's she from she's from New Jersey Lydia Samuel um uh, she I don't know what high school she went to but she's 24 years old um and just is amazing but she grew up in like a very christian household and so that was like the really cool contrast that i had like just like learning about people across like the south asian diaspora um but yeah and so like she but she had like a similar understanding of like indian music as to me and so that that was really cool and so that's just one example of how like they were just so down and like really interested and like jonathan specifically was just like yeah let's do this like let, let's just try this experiment and we all just kind of had a similar approach of making music of like we are just vessels like creating a song and converting the energy that is like in this room right now into something and like it as long as we're having fun and it feels good like let's just go with it and then that song really i think opened up the way i was like okay I, like i loved it and i it was daunting but it was also like i it was really beautiful at the end of it and felt really like warm and um all-encompassing so because of that song i started to open that up to other producers that i was working with um and people who maybe didn't necessarily have like a world music background at all like um but they were always like really down and sometimes it was more the top line that lent more to that so like i've been incorporating like swarums and stuff into my top lines and just treating them really differently and the 
being able to kind of see the reaction when I show different people of like Indian people and other people that are non-Indian too. Everyone's like, whoa, that's really awesome. And peer playing it live is especially really um, fulfilling too, because just to like see, see the reaction and also just like perform these things on not like traditional in, in a non-traditional way. Um, I was actually kind of scared of before being like, okay, like, is this, is this appropriate? Like, that was a really big thing for me of trying to like balance, like, you know, I don't want to be like taking just to take, like I need to have intention. I want it to feel appropriate and feel really purposeful. Um, and doing that, I think I've been able to do that and just like follow like my heart and intuition about it. But it's been really awesome to to share that with producers. And I think like what I would say if any artists are like listening to this and they're like, oh, um, I want to incorporate stuff from my heritage because that feels authentic. Like, but being like the worry of like, I don't know if people will get it and da, da, da. Like I've had, I've wondered all those questions like in my mind and like battled with it. And I just, what I would say is like, just try it and do it. And um, if you try and it doesn't feel good, like that's, that's okay. But like, don't discard it. Like you can work with another producer, another writer, or, like come up with it yourself, like put together a playlist, like references are huge. And it, if you have that itch, like keep scratching it until something happens and you don't have to release it. But sometimes it's really nourishing to, I don't know, to just even have that song because for me being a child of immigrants and like, Lana, you were talking about this like generational trauma earlier, mm -hmm. like about kind of unraveling that sometimes for me, I like didn't really fully like accept my like heritage because I thought, it, I, I don't know, not, I was battled with like shame about it or like not, you know, fully embracing it. And it's just even satisfying on that level just to create something that feels tied to, tied to, you know, where you come from. So. Yeah, no, definitely. When you were like, if you ever need to get something out, I'm like, that's me. Like, ah, uh, you just gave me like so many ideas. Of Good. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, I always think about incorporating things but I'm like no that's too niche no one's gonna get it but the whole like what you what you said about um you know getting other producers exposed to it and it's like spreading it like that you know that never occurred to me and I think that's such a good idea hi Benji oh hi yes go keep going sorry Awesome. No, I think that's so I had the same question, like, okay, is it too niche? Like, you know, but then I think reframing the way thinking about it is like, even if it is a niche, for example, I think what we have an opportunity to do as like artists and as people is sometimes you take that niche. And if you can like, make it big or make it really authentic and like special to you, that is such an awesome differentiating factor Thanks. in your music anyways right and it doesn't have to be everything that you do I do think sometimes like I find myself like in that box or like you know like my mentors or A&Rs or people are like you should just do that like hone in on that and I think that's very fair I don't want to discount that but um it's like it doesn't have to be everything but like it can be a part of who mm -hmm. you are and um I do think like what clicked for me is I have to educate the people that I'm working with if I'm expecting 
them to also be a part of it because um and that's that's it takes more time like i said that's why pop and r&b was easy at first because i was like i didn't have to explain what pop and r&b was i didn't have to like show like i could show references of songs like if we were trying to make something specific but it just takes time so if you have like those producers and those writers that you like really trust and you feel like like they would handle it responsibly like go for it that's so yeah i you know what i am i'm going to yeah <laughs> love it mm -hmm. I'm always like curious whenever I'm speaking with like uh, Indian creators and stuff like that. How do your parents feel about like you trying to pursue like music and all? It's a great question. And there's a layered answer. I think <laughs> um, <laughs> right now, I really have to say that they're incredibly supportive and I'm like really, really grateful for that. And um, they have been supportive in a way that I think if I was like an, if I was talking to 18 year old Anusha, she would just be like, ha, huh? you know, like really confused. But I think I, I give them a lot of credit for being really understanding and um, just like trying to like level with me and see that. But it was a process to just get here because, and I don't fault them for it. It's just like, it's such a different field that they don't have any exposure to. And it just wasn't a career path that I feel like was something that they ever considered for themselves. Like anything creative, it just wasn't in the path. And my parents are, they were really good at just kind of like following what their parents or what immediate society kind of did for them. And I think it was really important to them to do that, to be able to create a life for themselves and for their family and be able to, you know, create a life for me and my younger brother, which I'm like eternally grateful for. But, um, I think like, you know, when I first kind of approached like, hey, I want to be an independent artist and stuff, they were like, cool. You know, like I was in college, I was getting a degree in cell bio, but I'd, at that point I'd already secured my like full-time corporate job post-college. And so at that time they were like, okay, as long as you graduate and like, you know, just do what you need to do. Like, yeah, of course, like go hang out with your friend and like make songs and stuff. Like if that's fun, go for it. Um, and so they were cool with me like creating, but I think the transition of going from, hey, I'm just doing this on the fun and on the side, sorry, and it's like a hobby to, oh, I wanna do this professionally. I just took some like conversations, just took some discussions. And I actually like listened to so many podcasts or like even like South Asian influencers who had like kind of had those conversations. Like for example, Shivani Bhafna is someone that I follow. And I just like really like her message. She's a um, podcaster and everything. and she has a really awesome relationship with her parents and i like would watch all of her videos or like stuff on like how to talk to your desi parents about like going for you know a career that isn't like conventional to them and the first thing she always said she's like lead with empathy and like lead with compassion and like there's no way that they cannot come around and so i just kind of did that uh, i the first kind of step like meeting kind of their co-sign was when I took a leave of absence from my job I took like a three-month leave of absence and I was living you know, was living with them at the time and I was just like hey I'm thinking of doing this um I really want to take this to the next level because I'm just not very fulfilled or happy with my career right now and I know I could do it and I know I'd be set but I, I think it would lead me on a path of like really bad mental health or just kind of feeling like I didn't you know fulfill my purpose 
and they were my mom was always really understanding like okay like do it you know but my dad was just like how how is this going to pan out like financially like how Mm -hmm. are you going to provide for yourself like all those questions which was exactly like what they wanted me to avoid in my adulthood um all those came up but eventually I, i they just were like okay well it's your life like figure it out and then i did that and then um and basically towards the end of that three months, I, they were like, are you gonna go back to your job? And I was like, I don't know. And then um, after some soul searching, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to my job, but I'm going to keep it, but I'm gonna actively be pursuing like finding something in music that's like more in like the professional world. Like I know that for me being an independent in my room, like I could do it, but I know that like for me, again, community is really important. So I was like, okay, I need to find a way to like make it to LA. And so um, that's when I was like, okay, applying to music internships, music jobs, music programs. And then um, I applied to LAMP and then uh, it was like the first year they were doing it. And like my parents didn't really know that I had done that, but I did it. And then when I got in, um, they, I think for them, it kind of signaled, oh, okay, people in the industry are willing to take a chance on our daughter and that kind of level of I guess co-sign from people in the industry which they thought was like full of bad people full of people they didn't know and all this stuff they were like okay like maybe there's something there like maybe we should kind of like trust her and it was also an affirmation uh, affirmating point for me too when I got into LAMP and having you know Stargate these producers who I like shaped a lot of the records that I loved growing up and still do today I was like okay there is something there um and I think that uh, they supported me on my move to Los Angeles. My dad helped me move in. They helped me just, they helped support me during my time at LAMP and were really understanding. Like I had, a, we got a dog during the pandemic, but I couldn't take him down with me in LA. And they were like, okay, we'll be the good grandparents and like keep him and like take care of him and stuff. So the long, you know, the short answer to your question is like, they're, they're supportive. It took some time, but just took having conversations and you know, not getting upset. Like, obviously, okay, I'm not saying I was perfect. There are some times I'd have the conversation and I would get frustrated and be like, you guys don't understand me. But then I'd go upstairs and be like, well, that's not really going to serve my case. Like, I have to help them understand and just be like, hey, trust me and um, it'll work out. And it's the thing about music is it's not very stable and it's not like, it's not like a, like when I was in consulting, it was a very clear path to go from analyst to senior analyst to consultant to senior consultant to manager like there's there is like a path that's kind of carved out because hundreds and thousands of people have done it before um but with music like there are hundreds of but there's no one path that like looks the same um but I just was like I think I can do it and um yeah they're they're pretty good with it now <laughs> wow that's beautiful. I really like how you emphasize that. Like, it is kind of like a conversation that you need to have. What, like, it's never just like the one kind of like moment, especially with like Daisy parents and all. But, you know, I think if you do approach it and like lead with empathy and lead with understanding, you know, because I think like at the end of at, inherent in all this is just like, you know, your family cares about you and they yeah. want to make sure that you're, you know, on a path to success there. And, exactly. but I also think like getting uh co-signed from like, you know, Stargate getting into a uh, lamp was really cool. Talk a little bit about like, what LAMP is, what your experience was there? Yeah, so LAMP is basically a music incubator. 
Um, we spend uh, every week from October through June just working in this really awesome studio facility that they've built in Santa Monica, which kind of includes like 16 mini studios um, with around 50 like participants um, that are like split, like those 50 people are split by like artists, artists, writers, writers purely and producers. And there's people that can kind of do all of that too, that are multi-hyphenates. But um, we're just in the studios every week making songs, um, some that are like driven by like a prompt that they give us or like a challenge um, and some that are just, you know, there to serve what people want to create in that moment, whether that's like artist driven or whether, you know, it's for pitch um, to pitch to another artist, possibly that Stargate could be working with or um, something that we have someone come in to give us a brief for, for sync and, and whatnot. So that's like the music making part of it. And then in addition to that, as was like a mentorship aspect to LAMP. So Stargate, um, they founded the school. Um, uh, they're done by Torn, um, Mikkel, Run It. And for people who don't know who Stargate is, they've written some of the biggest songs of like my life, like, you know, um, uh, Firework by Katy Perry. They did Rude Boy by Rihanna, Adventures of a Lifetime by Coldplay. Like they've done better by Khalid issues by Julia Michael so like a lot of songs um that have charted but like across R&B pop and stuff and so they're kind of like our in-house mentors and they give us feedback on our songs every single week um and feedback that like is really specific production wise from like a songwriting perspective like top line and also um they kind of put on AR hats for different artists being like hey like this song you really shine this week maybe you should kind of create a concept or an ep or like go down this direction they just kind of help you know shape where and how they feel like we can excel in our individual kind of roles and they all we also have like guest mentors and come in um so we had like really awesome writers come in like emily warren who's like worked with dua lipa and the Chainsmokers, and um she was really awesome she just like came in the studio with us she, they like hop into every little studio as we're kind of working on songs and um they just like hang out with us give us feedback on the songs or sometimes just like chill and um it's really just awesome to get to absorb from their stories and like their knowledge and they're only there for like a few days at a time when they do guest mentors so it's hard to get like kind of deep but just like you know seeing how they're just like regular very normal people and a lot of them are you know really humble and just like all very different um it's just really inspiring to be like okay like anyone can do this. Like, obviously they're incredible and they're really special and they've kind of figured out like what their sauce is, but everyone is just constantly trying to learn and get better, which is just what I think all of us, you know, are trying to do as, as artists, regardless of, and writers and producers, regardless of whatever level you are, you just have like a love for music. So there's that aspect. Um, so that's covered like the song making and the mentorship. And then we also have like industry people come in. So um, we have this incredible person, Damo Dunn, um, who used to be an executive at Rock Nation and now she just runs her own like A&R firm. Um, and she is very well connected in the business. So she's been in the business for like 20 plus years. And so she has a lot of friends. And so she would bring in different a ARs from different publishing companies and different record companies and just like also you know really um awesome producers who would just kind of do a workshop with us and we'd get to like meet them and stuff so it's 
that aspect and the fourth thing is like live performance which they're trying to build out a little more so for artists like we would do a showcase at the end of every um trimester there's three trimesters and the last one was like a really big one we had like end of year at the peppermint club which is just kind of like a really iconic venue in los angeles um and every person sang a song that they like made at lamp and it was just like really special um with the full band and you know with monitoring and like tracks and the whole um nine yards and it was really just special to see some of the like a lot of the songs with all of these artists that are really amazing come to life on stage because we focus a lot on the recording aspect and the writing aspect of songs at lamp um and and we kind of judge them based off of that but there's something about creating music that translates live too that is really cool so we were just the inaugural year and it kind of exceeded a lot of my expectations and they're actually you know accepting applications now and it's free to apply so if there's anybody listening to this that like kind of wants to move to LA and like have a similar experience like I highly recommend applying um and, and, and seeing what that could be. It's like a one year intensive program as opposed to, um, I think there's lots of great music programs that are out there like post-grad or even grad. Like I don't know, um, like I think the really popular ones or well-known ones are like NYU Tisch and um, obviously Berkeley College of Music and USC has a great, great program too. But if you're just kind of like, I want one year away to move to Los Angeles and just like make really deep connections with people that are like like-minded have similar ambitions and um different writers and producers and figure out what you want to do how to break into the industry i i highly highly recommend it that was really cool okay this is really <laughs> interested, uh you know apply there uh check it out there um so i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the music that uh you had like going into uh lamp and like coming out yeah. of LAMP, right so um you did it just this past year right uh, yes, just this past year. So I moved okay. to LA in uh, late September and started the program in October, and it just ended uh, a few weeks ago. Okay, so uh, every song except for like therapy, I think, was written pre-lamp, right? Yes, yes, you are right. Okay, cool. So uh, let's just dive in a little bit into that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Blue Sky because I think that uh, of the songs, that one was just like, oh, this girl has like some Indian like classical background in it. Just, oh, cool. Yeah, because it's like one song, but you're or just one verse in it, but uh, yeah. you're just modulating your voice so much and like with such like precision and range. I was like, oh, okay, that's where like she was able to develop that there. organic simple process that was like i think one of the last songs i was making with anthony who produced back and blue skies and bright um we were actually working on like my first like ep we were just kind of like, like a collection of songs six songs and this was like when i was like first writing so like genre wise and sound wise they were kind of like there wasn't necessarily the most like cohesion about it except for the fact that it was my vocal but it was really like, guitar driven um and blue skies was actually just going to be the interlude on the ep 
And so that's why it kind of has like, it's not, there's really no structure to it. It's just like a free floating verse. Um, there's no hook, there's no anything that's repeating in it. Um, and he just had this guitar loop, like the da na 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 um, And I just like had written down basically like a poem before. Um, of like the lyrics, a lot of lyrics that are in Blue Skies were just kind of there. And I just went on the mic and just sang some of those lyrics to just a random melody that came about. Um, and so kind of kept most of that and like tweaked things here and there and uh, like, you know, focus on the delivery and the final. But I just, it was just really stream of consciousness kind of singing and just words that just picked vowels that just like felt really good um, and, you know, did a little, few things here and there locally to like you know try to have some semblance of like a narrative and a story um but not also trying to do too much just kind of wanted to feel really cathartic and emotional and that's kind of how blue skies came about That's a really cool process. Thanks. Yeah, I don't do as much anymore, but yeah. yeah fun. Is that something that you'd like to get more back into or do you kind of like your process, how it you've developed now? I think if I, I think I would keep that process for interludes and stuff. Um, I think also because it was one of the last songs I'd done with Anthony and like we'd worked so closely just with each other for like that year there was a real sense of like freedom of like, we can just do whatever. And there was so much trust that I like, I don't know, felt really comfortable with that. And so I think like if I'm building out another EP, another album, um, I would definitely do this for a few songs and just kind of see how that feels. I do think like it could be something that I develop into somewhat of like a signature along with the other stuff that is more structured, but yeah, I think uh, like even just talking about it now makes me think like, hey, I want to do that again yeah. just for fun. Because yes, it is. the I think songwriting is really like it's like a puzzle. Like you're like, OK, you know, let's figure out the verse. Let's figure out the pre. Let's figure out the hook or like let's figure out like what piece goes where and, you know, find the right words and what's the right story. And it, there's a lot of I find it very analytical, actually. Um, but then sometimes like you miss the free flowingness of just like spitting things out on the mic and like just seeing what happens and yeah. just being like we don't have to overthink this we don't have to overring this like let's just be what it just let it let it be what it wants to be yeah like if, yeah. if you set if you set up like a camera in the studio and just like record like whatever comes out like and like you hit gold while you just like free flowing you I bet you would go viral 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Maybe I should do that. Honestly, yeah. I've thought about it. I thought about just like, because everyone, I feel like I know a lot of artists and writers who will just like go live on TikTok mm-hmm. and they'll just like do something and like they're just doing their process, they're just creating and then something will like really, you know, resonate with their audience. And they'll be like, wait, wait, that's, there's something there. And the person who's making it is probably like, oh, that's just like a regular Tuesday. But then people are like responding. So it's, but mm-hmm. there's something, there's something there. So I think maybe yeah. I'll do that. You should totally do it. I do. Yeah. I, I do that sometimes, but it's usually much more boring. Oh, I'm sure it's not. But yeah. <laughs> that's a part of music making though, right? Is like mm-hmm. kind of sitting there, figuring out technicalities and just like also like yeah. just thinking. So mm. Right. Yeah, there's definitely like, you know, both are definitely very valuable. But I think that's like a really special thing to be able to, you know, just go with your instincts. Yeah. Thanks. I, I do too. This is like opening my brain up to that. To that big, big, brain, big brain moment a big brain moment i love that <laughs> so i did want to bring it back though because um that's sort of like free-flowing response to trying to like write this song uh here with comes mm-hmm. to blue skies whereas something i feel like back that has a lot more of that what you're saying like that puzzle element because yeah. i felt like all the words were like very like carefully like chosen and like arranged in a specific way you had like the verse the hook uh the chorus and everything like that I how the arrangement works in that song is exactly how we wrote it. Um, That was the first song I ever really wrote. Um, So that was like baby Anusha, the songwriter, kind of having a process. And um, the first thing that like really came out of my mouth when I was playing with melodies, like, and I said the word, I was like, I take back, da 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 Like I just, that line, was stuck in my head and that was like the thing I kind of kept coming back to and the first thing so it was kind of clear that like that was the hook which was like really big and sweeping and just like that was the vibe and just figuring out what the words were so the, the words take back was very clear so I was like I'm taking back something like but what is it like what's what am I trying to say so Anthony as well as being like a really awesome producer he was like my writing partner and a lot of this like being my wall to bounce ideas off of he would ask me like who is this about what is the story about like you know all those things um and being a really great vibe officer uh as well in the room um vibe and so officer. vibe officer yeah. i learned this yesterday from a artist and producer i worked with yesterday his name is neil his artist name is air parent and he was like i like being a songwriter being the vibe officer and i was like That's, i'm gonna take that i'm gonna steal that so yes. shout out to neil vibe officer. um yeah but uh yeah so that's kind of how we started with the hook and then we kind of figured out what the story was about and and the song is kind of what it boils down to is a relationship that started off as a friendship that moved and evolved to becoming romantic and me a few years you know looking back on that being like oh 
maybe we should have just stayed friends because maybe we would still be friends and we would still have a relationship today if mm -hmm. we didn't take it to that next step, you know, didn't level up in that kind of way. And just like a reflection on like, you know, I it's basically like, I wish we could kind of go back to where we started. Um, but it's a bit like, you know, circular um, in that kind of way. But like, that's why, you know, the first verse, you know, it's, hey, you, it's been a minute. Like we've been on our own paths for a long time. Like, um, you know, I wish we could get along right now, you know, kind of going back in that hook, like kind of setting the scene of like, what is the relationship now? That's kind of grounding. And then going back to the hook. Um, and then I kind of change, actually, it's been so long since I've, I heard the song earlier today, because I was like refreshing myself on, okay, my own path. But it's like the, the ending of each course actually like slightly different. Um, and so the, I think the ending of the second chorus is like, please take me back, which is like very kind of different from um, the first chorus. start the second verse like it was a lesson learned maybe for you too oh I guess I hurt more than you do who knows what the future holds maybe there will be a time when we cross paths cross paths so it's a little bit more like hopeful or like um what could happen in the future like if we meet we meet again and we can see what could happen from there but also like a reflection of like oh I learned from that relationship um and that friendship and I can say that confidently now I'm also asking like, do you ever think about it that way too? Like, I don't know. Um, I hope you do. bit of vulnerability that's that's there in that verse and wanted to kind of hone in on the emotion of that and then going back um into uh that final hook and then we have like there's like a little ooze uh as basically like the bridge um which is just kind of it's actually kind of a call forward to blue skies so i think like those melodies are, are very mm. kind of familiar like i like parts in songs that don't have to be all words and sometimes like just the voice itself just has an expression and can share emotionality i think in a i feel like in like a frequency cellular level that mm. sometimes words can't because i also like understand like music is not just for the people that you like are in the same country with or people share the same language like growing up listened to music that i didn't know the un like didn't know i don't know all of hindi i don't know all of telugu i don't know like all of malayalam but i would so love listening to those songs even though i didn't exactly know what they were saying like but the emotion hits and that translates so i sometimes think like ooze are really great to just kind of show that and then the last hook um is uh, uh i take back 
all of the ticking time bombs that I placed inside of your head now. Time on the clock and it's run down, run down, out of time, run down, out of time, run down, out of time. Um, and that just kind of signifies like how and why that like relationship ended. It's, it wasn't because we didn't like like each other or because, you know, anything bad happened. It just was like the life circumstances that we were both in at that time just like didn't allow us to continue. You know, he was moving to a different place and I was staying in one place and we both were just made the decision that long distance is not what we wanted to do. Um, but we kind of like knew that there was going to be an end to our relationship before we even really started it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a reflection of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Like maybe we would still kind of be friends today. Like not that things ended sour, but now things are awkward. Um, and we were also, it was like a high school relationship, right? High school going into college. So still very like developmentally young um, mm -hmm. and didn't fully understand how to, didn't have a really strong EQ at that time. But um, that was kind of like the process. So it was a very like emotional, vulnerable song. And that's why picking all the words was like, I think I was like really craftsman about it because I was also just like being, trying to be like really vulnerable. Um, and also like just trying not to show too many of my cards, still having it feel like universal. Um, but also it was like really nerve wracking because mm, I was yeah. like, how are people, are, not even if people, I was like, is the person I'm, I'm like writing this about, like, are they gonna hear, are they gonna feel it? But I was like, just trying to like talk to them in a way. And there's a bit of vulnerable, like, I guess in a way with the song, you don't have to like actually talk to the person. You can just like write it down and have it be out there. And if they hear it, they hear it. Um, but it's cop out because sometimes you don't actually have to have the tough conversation with the person. So I think I kind of did that. Um, that I just wanted to feel like nostalgic and reflective and somewhat healing. I think that's a common theme in my in my writing. I really like back. I actually thought that was a song that I was really glad I didn't hear when I was going through a breakup because that would have destroyed me. Oh no! <laughs> I was yeah. like, just because like it had such that fair, like, fair, and that like hope that thing that you were talking about with that second verse that like take me back thing. Um, or like you know hopefully like we'll uh be able to meet again i was just like wow like that I, there's a point in my life where i really could have like connected with that and like it, it was such a good like all, all that to say like you just carried the emotion so well like they it, it was mm -hmm. just such a good song that like had all that stuff buried in there deep and i really enjoyed it uh i also wanted to talk to a little bit about the acoustic version because with that one i think um you know you have just like you and i think it's uh your producer anthony just playing the guitar yes yeah yes so it's a lot more stripped down, but in a way, I think that has its own character. What was sort of the idea? Because it has a little bit different musicality to it when it came to writing that. For sure. So when we were coming up with the live arrangement, so I dropped, so Back was the first song I like released and, and wrote, but I dropped that in October of 2020. Um, and I like we wouldn't we would like just like play around with it and we like sing it acoustically and i was like kind of figuring out like okay what do i want to release next and some of the other songs that we had in like in progress like just weren't fully finished yet and so but i was like okay i want to release something um soon so we we're like okay why don't we just do like a live version of back and like see how that happens and so i also wanted to create like something that had like a visual format too so we just like went to Anthony's backyard um, and he has like, there's actually like a video of it on my YouTube um, of the same exact kind of recording, uh, but it's him and he has like an electric guitar that he like puts on a loop and then he has, um, oh, what's that instrument that you sit on and it's like kind of like a drum at the same time. 
cajon. Cajon, exactly. You had the cajon, which was like the rhythmic uh, thing, and then uh, rhythmic, um, the rhythmic component. There's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And then he had like his chimes and stuff. So Anthony essentially became like a one man band um, playing all this. And then I, he had um, a mic attached to him. And then I had like my SM7B that I was um, singing on right next to him. And what we wanted for this one, because with live performances, I feel like you can just kind of take your time with it. And some of the magic that I love, like when I see live performances of songs is like changes the arrangement where the intro is a little bit longer. It's a little bit more dramatic. Like there's less of a rush, like urgency, I think is important in records. But when you're watching a performance, you just kind of want to like sink back into the moment, just kind of what we wanted to have it feel emotionally. Um, and so that's why like the intro, I think is like several bars longer. And it's just kind of feels like the layers kind of come in one by one, because that's exactly kind of how we did it with Anthony being the one man band that he that he did in that moment. Um, and then I just we did like, I think 15 runs of the song, um, all full takes. Um, and I, with every single one, I just kind of did a different inflection on each one. And the recording that you hear on Spotify is just like the favorite take that we had that we just like mix and master just like a little bit and just like threw it on there. Um, I think the biggest kind of changes that we made were like in the outro. And I wanted to give Anthony some time just to like, flare his guitar skills a little bit and do like a little bit of call and response like that's really I love when performers do that and it's also kind of a throwback to like if you watch like Carnotic you know song like concerts there's always a part where like the singer will look to her accompanist and they're simply like a mridangam player a violinist and there's always some like callback between the violin and the vocalist at that time where the vocalist is just singing swarams um, and the violin is just kind of like leading the melody and it kind of goes back and forth. So we kind of wanted to bring that back in into the, um, and to the end of that and just have it feel just like, just kind of like lazy um, or just like take its time, I should say. both for people like when I meet people and they're like oh like I tell them they're a musician and they like want me to show them their songs I um, would show back uh, live and I would show back um, the recorded version and some people are like I prefer the live version because like they can feel the organicness come across which is like I think a really great compliment because um, I learned singing through doing live like there's a, a lot of artists I feel like nowadays who like learned to sing and like became artists just through recording like they've never really done live performance which which is just a really different path it's an awesome path but mine was very different um and so yeah that's just kind of um like the the journey with the back live um from the backyard <laughs> version that's cool really awesome uh one make sure we get enough time to discuss your newest single uh therapy yes. which is out now go stream it guys mm -hmm. 
the pen aside, I'll be yours tonight You make sure to keep your phone on silent Close the door cause you want me in private You're always here for me, here for me, here for me So the process with this one was really different. Um, we actually started off, like we had a challenge one week where Stargate gave us some beats to top line um, that they had kind of had, I think it was just like some some beats they had like laying around. They were like, okay, one week just write top lines to it. So I was in a, um, in a group with um, these amazing artist writers, Kyla, Amani, Valerie, Borghese. Um, and there was kind of like a lo-fi beat that they had. And so we wrote the entire like top line um, uh, to to that beat which sounded really different like kind of that lo-fi beat was similar to kind of like a oh wonder type of style mm -hmm. um like and was like a little more like r&b based and so that's kind of how that started and a cut vocals had like basic vocals to that um and some layers and but it felt like really good like i just loved i love the message of that song and that song we kind of wrote like following pop structure okay like let's go to a verse and have like a really strong pre and like let's have like a really hooky chorus because I think like a lot of songs I'd done before um before Lamp they I think were really beautiful and I, I love them all but I think having a really strong defined hook that like was a little bit more catchy and like easy to sing along to or like kind of memorable um like throughout the whole thing was something that I wanted to develop going into Lamp and so like you know the, the power of three you know like here for me here for me here for me therapy 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 a strong B and then you know going back to that that title um that was something that I learned and really reinforced that Lamp so that was kind of like that process, I think, with um, the second verse and even the, the bridge, I kind of got more comfortable with like, not rapping, but like kind of having like a more talking style to mm -hmm. my singing. I just had a breakthrough, tell me how to thank you, her until you showed me how to heal. You want to unpack this, break all my bad habits, now I know it's real. other amazing writers also women writers I'd never done that before um was also like a really fun and like new process and I love them both dearly and they both have such strong strengths that we were able to kind of like all contrast within each other and so that was really awesome and then the way that that kind of song ended was um I decided I actually wanted to release it and I wanted to kind of reproduce that beat and so um this amazing producer Alex Zalon who's also a part of LAMP um uh was like I would love to do that and he also is like my guitar player we like play shows together and stuff and so he'd done an acoustic version of that several times and so he kind of wanted to make something that was a little more like hard-hitting had more bounce felt like more like boppy because the song thing before felt like more emotional um and like kind of like more melancholy in the production of it but he, he was like his flavor of it was like therapy is really awesome that's what you're saying it's like there's there's like obviously like a groundedness to it but you're saying that this what's happening is like transformative it's healing and that's something we should celebrate that's something that we should feel like kind of uplifted by like we don't need to go like full bubblegum pop but let's have it feel you know that it's not so 
down here. Let's let's mm. up the energy. And I just loved that. And obviously, I had a little bit of demo-itis because I was so used to hearing the demo mm. of it that had been living in my head rent-free for like six months. Um, but when he kind of like did his beat and put his swag on it, he also like was really, you know, a, a proponent of like, here, let's add the really lush background vocals. Like, let's have this thing feel really big and like, don't be afraid to go with ad-libs and stuff, which I think was also different to the other songs I'd done before. Like, ad-libs were, they were there here and there, but they were more like, and Oz and like not as kind of forward and brash but like I love ad-libs that's why like Ariana Grande is one of my favorite artists of all time because I just love I don't even sing her top line when it comes to the end of the song I'm always just singing yes. her, her ad-libs you know like and screaming that in the car and so I was like okay so that process just felt like really um I, it was my first time again going from like a demo version to like a final version and just like playing around with different arrangements and styles throughout it and also working with more people so like all the people on that song uh, I mentioned Kyla and Valerie on like the top line and then um Nico Fabito uh, also amazing producer cut my vocals originally and then Alec came in and like finished it all off so it was a really awesome experience when I talk you always listen to me when others took advantage of me Rehabilitate my animacy Cause you like in terms of why I decided to put that one out first is kind of indicating to my audiences and myself like I'm moving more in a pop world and like being unabashed about it and I like love pop music and just not being afraid to kind of go a big production and just have things feel more you know like still rooted in emotion but like also have fun and also just kind of be a little bit more like happy um and just explore that and just have things feel a little bit more elevated from where where i was and really intentional it's definitely a good mix of like the grounded lyrics and the lush instrumental just like vocals like the big production everything like it's the good it's a good you know transitional like exactly what you said like this is like this is this is me it's oh yeah. thank mm. you for saying that I really yeah. really appreciate that and I'm really happy that 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 comes across yeah I I wanted to ask more about like the songwriting process so essentially um we wanted to talk about I think something that unfortunately a lot of people deal with in their life which is trauma and um, I'm someone who's like dealt with sexual trauma in my past unfortunately um, I have like gone to actual therapy for it and kind of like dealt with it and just kind of figure out how to like manage um, and, and process that which I'm really grateful to have done I think it's really helped me get to a place where I can like talk about it and not feel shame and stuff but I think for me what was one of the transition points like in my life was going from having dealt with that to actually being in a relationship and actually being really comfortable with intimacy and um with a new partner and like sharing trust because i think that's like the biggest thing that i had challenges with um and my relationship i've been in a relationship for four years with this awesome guy his name is ashwath ramdas and um he was a really big part of actually like my healing that i couldn't do exactly in therapy um but something that actually had to happen like in real life and in practice and um 
I kind of wanted to write a song about that that process um, and uh, just kind of like healing from trauma in general. Um, and so just like the feeling of how do you trust somebody again? How do you let somebody in again? And how to be a good communicator and, and share those things that have happened to you in the past, but also be good with, you know, letting them in and help, having them help heal you to a certain extent. Like there's obviously like work that has to be done on, on all sides. Um, but this was just like my personal experience and my personal journey of like kind of going through that trauma and then trusting somebody new and then having them be a part of like my healing and, and like here we are so that's why the first verse like you know I'm traumatized when I look into your eyes everything's all right I'll put the pain aside I'll be yours tonight like you know just kind of that surrendering of like I trust you and then you know you make sure to keep your phone on silent close the door because you want me in private like that's just kind of like okay you're showing me your attention and like obviously like we're kind of like one-on-one -on -one right now and just kind of indicating like the scene of you know where are we um and then then the hook comes in and just like you're always here for me you are my therapy you hold me close help me cope pull me in and let it all go like just again just really furthering the intimacy and that can be you know you in, in so many different ways right it can be a, a tough conversation um it can be something that's like you know it, naughty and intimate and like in the bedroom in that kind of way but it can all it just can also be like really wholesome um and just being like I'm sharing something with you that that's really personal and you're there for me and you're helping me through that in terms of sharing it and I'm trusting you with that and and you're here to receive it um and then, you know, so verse two kind of comes in and shows like, okay, what's that actual like impact of what this person has done? Like I had a breakthrough, you know, you are like helping me heal. You want to unpack everything that I'm going through. And like, I have to break all of my bad habits. I have to break down all of my walls that I maybe put up when I'm in this situation that's actually not serving me. That's not actually not helping me. Um, and then, you know, just kind of going back into the chorus. And I think one of my favorite bars that I ever wrote <laughs> is in the bridge, you know, and I'm being really, I think, forward about the content of the song in the bridge based like, like when I talk, you always listen to me when others took advantage of me rehabilitate my intimacy that's my favorite bar because you are my therapy um and that particular bar was something that tor was mm -hmm. like i've never heard rehabilitate my intimacy in a song ever but you make it work and i was like thank mm -hmm. you because yes. it is i like that was my experience like i had to rehabilitate how i like even worked through that kind of process and um in my life and so yeah and then it goes into like the really big full hook at the end with like all these backgrounds and it just feels to me very happy and just all like empowering and just like freeing um and that that's just kind of where I wanted the songwriting to go from like we're having a conversation to I'm free now we're free and thank you like it's like a big thank you song also like thanks for being a part of that for me but it is about me but it's also about you too so that's, that's that was the process that's, that's so beautiful. cool yeah I'm really thank happy you. for you that you're in thanks. a much better place and you have a good partner and it's yeah I appreciate that yeah it's I feel very blessed I feel mm -hmm. very blessed and um thanks yeah. I'm glad I'm in this place now too yeah I also think it's very important for people to hear something like this when they're in a place like that you know like it's you know it's it, like There's it gives like hope, hope. yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's I think um how it's just so hard because there's so many layers and levels and everyone's journey 
is different through dealing with trauma. But I feel like for me, knowing that there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel, even if it doesn't feel like that. And it's like, I'm also not trying to, I, like I don't believe in like toxic positivity either. Like just mm-hmm. being like, it's everything's gonna be okay just for the sake of that. Like you have to like, earnestly like believe it. But I, you know, unfortunately, way too many people deal with having their like, intimacy taken away from them um and like and being violated um and in multitudes of ways and so if this song can be a part of anybody's journey when they hear that and they're like okay like there is something like there is a way to move through this it's never something to be able to like forget unfortunately it becomes a part of I believe who you are or like you know your experience not who you are but um if this song can be healing in any kind of way then that that I feel like that's when I've kind of done my job as like a songwriter because the song there's so many songs that helped me throughout my own emotional processes whether it was about this or whether it was about like breakups or just hardships in you know um self-esteem all of the above so that's kind of like why I make music is to just kind of be there for people and help them process through whatever they're going or just like be be a part of it it's beautiful when I met my girlfriend, our relationship really healed a lot of parts of like my relation, like my relationship with her healed a lot of stuff within me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ne- I, I never was explicitly like, um, you know, anything, yeah. but, but it's, you know, the, you know, this, the little, the little things add up, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it, it's just been a very healing experience. And like, I've never heard a song like this ever before, like, like of this topic. Like, I've never, it's, maybe they exist in other places out in the wild, and I would love to hear them. But, like, this was just a very big moment for me. Like, I heard this, and I was like, yes, we need her on the show. But, yes, thank you for all you do. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad. And I, um, I'm so happy that this song was able to, personify some of the emotions and things that you've dealt with and like the relationship between you and your girlfriend and how like that has been healing and regardless of like whatever the trauma is helped you like unpack that and then just heal from that like one I'm so happy that 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 is what's happening for you um and I'm just you know really overjoyed and it's such a it's really like humbling to hear that this song just kind of like spoke words to what you were feeling and that's just like the biggest kind of goal like reaching that goal as a songwriter and, and an artist and um that's just like my my mission with music is, is to heal and so I'm really excited to, to like tell my other writers um and producers that this song kind of did, had that experience with you you're always here for me here for me here for me Anyway, Josh had to dip out, but you know how it is on the Opus podcast. We always end with a rapid fire round. Um, so, all right, first question. Um, is there a song that you wish you had wrote? 
the song stay by rihanna and mickey mm -hmm. echo is the first one that comes to mind there's so many but yeah. i just love love that song yeah cool um uh boats trains planes or cars oh cars yeah cars. Okay. yeah cars. i just love okay so i'm someone who like famously overpacks for stuff like literally you could look at my corner of my room right there like I have way too many suitcases that I'm supposed to, like I don't need to bring as much clothes as I do for like a week but I do anyways and when you go on a plane you have to like pay extra to mm -hmm. like you know you check a bag if you're driving a car you can put way too much stuff in your trunk and no one's gonna, like people will judge you but like not too much and right. so yeah it's, I your, love it's your that. own car it's your own car it's and you, you can want. leave whenever you want like you can you know so I just think that I just like the flexibility of cars yeah. I think you're I think you're the first person to say cars really what's yeah. the most popular answer I think trains has been most popular interesting yeah maybe yeah we've got we've got like one or two boats and like one plane I think but usually people yeah I'm a trains That's girl so and it, oh yeah. nice and um it, okay so if you could go on tour with anybody who would you want to go on tour with I'd be honored to go on tour with like a lot of different people. I think like if I was just in full dreamland, I would love to go on tour with Ariana Grande. Um, because... I see that for you. I see ah! that. Yes. Oh my God, let's manifest it, <laughs> visualizing yes. this. Um, because I just feel like I would just love to learn from her, to be honest. I think she's one of like the greatest performers um, of our generation and just like her seamlessness of being able to like just serve flawless vocals and mm -hmm. just like, her emotion out like loudly with that. And it, I think it's very signature to her while also like entertaining a crowd and just like being herself on stage. And I just also just, from watching all of her interviews and like her songwriting process, I think she's like such a master at her craft and like doesn't honestly get, I think enough credit um, in her process as, as I think she deserves. And so like just being able to like observe from her and she just also seems like a really like nice, awesome person and like has very similar values to like what I like would like to have as like an artist. And I think she's like really grounded and has gone through a lot. So I would just like love mm -hmm. to like, learn from her. And I also just think like sonically our stuff is it's still really distinct and different but I like I think I pull like influence from her in terms of just kind of like being like upbeat but also talking about like real stuff and so anyways that would just be like yes. insane yeah yeah <laughs> there's another guest who said that she wanted to work with Ariana Grande and I was like yeah like but she was um she was a uh, vocal producer oh cool be the producer and you would be the artist and it would be great it's the perfect that would be fun. perfect collab like when she did monopoly with victoria monet i was like Ooh. like she i feel like she also pioneered like yeah like women like collaboration yeah she you know? like produced she produced uh what well that that song with Justin Bieber, stay, like yeah, the one yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheated, oh, like yes. all by herself. Stuck with you, yeah. So, yeah, stuck with you. And I was like, go off. Yeah, go off. She's amazing. <laughs> yes. And okay, what else? If you could give advice to fifteen-year-old Anusha, what would you say? I would say the path of life is the exact opposite of straight. It has lots of zigzags and twists and turns um, and whether you want it or not. So like 
don't be afraid to go off of what you think the beaten path is and just do what feels right with your life, whether that comes to like, I mean, most prominently like career, like don't do the thing that people expect you to do because you think that's what you want to do as well. That'll make you happy. Just like take a chance on yourself and like you've got you, you know? And I, I think like, that's what I would say is like trust yourself and you'll figure it out. Like don't, don't worry. And um, if that means like go to music school sooner, like do that or write a song, do that. Like just do the thing um, and don't be, don't be afraid. So, yeah. Facts, facts. Okay. Um, last question. This is the one that Josh always asks. Are you <laughs> planning on submitting therapy for Grammy consideration? Ooh, uh, I think, well, I don't even know how you would do that, but I, I, I would, I would do it. Yeah. 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 We actually had like this, this question was kind of like a, a joke at first, but we actually <laughs> did have a guest who, um, I think what she said you did, she, someone from the Grammys, like had to like you have to have a connection to the Grammys and they'll like ah. submit it for you and she actually did submit it and she didn't get nominated but they like even if you just submit you can get you get a free ticket to go to the Grammys if you oh, submit right that's cool yeah I didn't know that. and then she turned it down for some reason I don't know why like why would you oh turn down, why would you turn down a free ticket to the Grammys anyway here at the Opus podcast the Josh always does this I don't I'm not going to get it right here at the Opus podcast. You know, we're all about lifting up the next generation of artists, making sure that they're prepared for their big moment um, when they're on the Grammy stage. So I'm going to need you to give us your Grammy acceptance speech. <laughs> oh, my God. I should have saw this coming. Uh -huh. um, oh, gosh. OK, um, let's say. Thank you very, very much for this incredible honor. Um, first off, have to give thanks to all the people that collaborated with me on this project. Um, the song, I think, has very strong meaning and has a purpose of like being healing and sharing light on something that is really ugly, but we're trying to find something beautiful and hopeful through it. So thank you to those collaborators of like having this come about. So Val, Kyla, Alec, Nico, Stargate, you guys are amazing. And shout out to Lamp for facilitating that. Um, secondly, I have to say major, major thank you to my family, Amma, Appa, Ashish, and Ash. You guys are everything. You guys are the engine that runs behind me. You guys believe in me and you support me and you're really honest with me. Um, and keep me, keep me grounded even maybe when I have my head's in the clouds, like a classic Aquarian that I am. So, um, but just thank you for being there um, and and always holding my hand through this. And um, thirdly, I just, you know, want to say that the universe works in the ways that it's supposed to, even though that it's never always like very linear the way you expect it to go. But if you just trust and believe in yourself, um, 
this is what can happen. And so like, I'm just, you know, really thankful that I chose to bet on myself and, and, and do this. And if this song has resonated with any of you, then that's just the, the greatest gift that this can, you know, that can be regardless of awards and everything. And so just thank you to, to everyone who's listened and thank you to the Academy and, um, you're not going to thank your boyfriend. Oh, I thanked him, Ash. Yeah, he was in the family. He all was right. in the I, family. I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but I was <laughs> No, like, you're all oh, good. I'm waiting for <laughs> it. I'm waiting for <laughs> it. You're waiting for it, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully at that time, we'll, I yeah. mean, we'll see. I'm yeah. not going to jinx mm-hmm. anything. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes. But yeah, just, uh, yeah, I would just be like, you know, everyone keep making music and just having fun with it because that's what's really important. Yes. Yay. 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 That wraps up this episode of the Overs podcast. Where can the listeners find you on social media? Anywhere? Anywhere. So my uh, handle is anusha.savi, A-N-U-S-H-A dot S-A-V-I. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all of the things. I also have a website, anushasavi.com. You can find all my music there. Uh, but I'm also available on like all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Amazon. Um, I also, if you're in the LA area and you want to come see me live i'm playing a show at madame siam on tuesday august 30th i'll be playing a full 30 minute set with the band i'm playing a lot of unreleased music so um come check that out and i just really appreciate getting to know um lana and josh and getting introduced to to your guys' audience so feel free to like hit me up and um yeah just check me out so thank you oh my goodness Thanks for being such a wonderful guest. <laughs> this has been the Opus Podcast. Our theme music is Underground Stars by Locks Beats. You can follow us on Instagram at Opus with Dots. That's it. High five. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>